JHM. What does that mean? Well, it means that over the course of the series we've been doing, we've been looking at different sides of relationships and having some real discussion about it. Uh, why? Well, a couple reasons why. One, I believe that we got to talk in the form of reality in junior high, that you guys probably have an idea of what's happening in your own lives, and if we don't have real conversation about it through the lens of what God has written in the Bible and through the life of Jesus, then, then there's really no point in doing what we do here. And two, uh, because I think it's really fun talking about relationships, and today we're going to talk about one of my favorite types of relationships, the parent relationship. Now, I remember my mom, I used to drive my mom, and I probably still drive my mom crazy. When I was a kid, when I was your age, I, well, first of all, I got in trouble all the time. And it would be uh, usually kind of one of three different things. Either I'd get in trouble for breaking something, uh, I'd get in trouble for lying, uh, and I would get in trouble for lying about breaking something. And it was always kind of a mix of all those different things. And she would get like these notes home from the principal, and I just knew like when they, like, when, like, they had come, because the envelope from my school would, I got to walk in, and I'd drop my stuff off. My mom was so cool. She'd have snacks for me waiting uh, every day when I came from school. She was the coolest mom ever. And it, I'd come home from school, and, there, and there'd be snacks, like Oreos and cookies and you know, none of the healthy stuff. The healthy stuff happened like within the last 10 years. When I was a kid, it was all unhealthy stuff. It was awesome. And so there'd be a plate of unhealthy food to eat. But whenever it was the day that she got like one of those write-ups from school, like one of the things that say, hey, your kid really screwed up. Like here's all the things they did wrong with like little check boxes. Uh, instead of snacks, there'd just be the envelope from my school there with a little post-it note that said, come see me. So I would know that I was just in so much trouble. Like I like feel so bad for my mom and the trouble I put her through when I was a kid. And you know, I always thought like, why is she making such a big deal about everything? It always felt like, well, this is just me. Like this is just Justin being him, being myself. And we sometimes feel like, why is it that parents don't understand us. We're just being us. And parents, though, this is the thing I love about my mom, she was always trying to relate to me. Like, she never wanted to be mean to me or hard on me. Like, she always tried to relate to me, like, try and get down to my level. You know, I try and get down to my kid's level. Crawling on the floor. He pooped on the floor recently. He likes to walk around naked. All right, I don't know if anyone else is like that. I am. And he'll, and he, oh yeah, my life group guys are like, oh. So he crawls around naked and he's happy about it. And he wasn't feeling well. And so he just poops all over the floor. It was actually extremely disgusting. I had to clean it up. And, you know, that's just, but that's his life. Like his life is like crawling on all fours, like playing with toys. And sometimes I get down on the ground on his level and I try and like connect with him like only a dad can with like his little baby. So I get down on the ground and I'm playing with toys and we're clamping them together and he looks at me like and I'm like and I'm trying to have a, like what I believe to be a very personal conversation with my kid. But like that, that, that's my effort to try and relate and connect with him. Now he's probably looking at me thinking to himself, what's this guy talking about? Like what's this weird guy touching my toys? Like I don't know what he's thinking. But I feel like that's going to be a theme the rest of our lives. Him looking at me saying, what's he thinking? And me looking at him saying, I want to relate to you. I'm going to do the things you're doing. Here, I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, uh, grab a piece of paper, a note paper, grab a Bible, grab a pen. Like these are notes you're going to want to take with you because this is, has to do with your parents. This is good stuff. This is what I want you to write down. We want to understand our parents better. At the same time, they're trying to relate to us. Like there's two competing forces here, students. 
and believe me, because I look at this a lot differently now because I'm a father now. Not only am I a father of a living, breathing kid who poops, I actually am gonna be a father of a second kid who is in process right now. Uh, he's being you know, w- woven together in his mother's womb, as the Bible says. And, uh, and, and if you check out Instagram, you'll know that it's a boy, another baby boy for Justin. It's gonna be awesome, I know, it's super exciting. So, two boys running around, it's just gonna be the best ever. But it's like, so I can understand this idea, students, listen, I can understand this idea because I'm a father, I'm a parent. We, as parents, we want to relate to our kids. We want, we want to get down on their level so that we're speaking the same language. But that's really difficult to do like because we're adults and you're kids, but we at least try. And most kids look at their parents and say, like, we would just love to understand you better, mom and dad. Why do you do the things you do? Why do you think that, why do you dress the way you do? What, when you walked out of the house today, why did you think that was good? Like, when you say no to the things I wanna do, why do you wanna ruin my fun? Like, is it, are you out to get me? Are you out to, why do you wanna drop me off in front of the school? Don't you know people are gonna see us? Like, mom, dad, I don't get it. Explain why, why do I have to do this homework? Why do I have to clean my room? We do not always get it as kids, but, Here's the thing, this is so good. There's a story in the Bible that helps us understand the point of view of a parent a little differently. Now here's the thing, if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to open them up. We're gonna be in the book of Luke chapter eight. Now here's the thing, I used to read this story when I was younger. I read it differently now, it's gonna be up here on the screen, so I want you to see it. It's Luke chapter eight, we're gonna start with verse 40, it's on page uh, 1020 in your Bible, in your red Bibles. If you don't have a red Bible, by the way, you should get one. They're 20 bucks. I use this Bible. I'm telling you, this is the Bible that I use every single day. It is awesome. I like it. Every lesson I do, I prepare out of this Bible. So I read this story when I was a kid, and I didn't totally get it. I didn't totally get it until now that I'm a parent. So this is perfect, because I'm gonna be able to explain it from the kid's side, which is your side, and then I'm gonna be able to kind of explain it from the parent's side, which is my side. So you guys are like in better luck than you've ever been. This is what it says, first verse, verse 40. Uh, it's gonna be on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, I want you to look at your Bibles. If you're looking at the screen, it means you don't have your Bibles, which means you need to get a Bible. Here it is. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus, because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader in the local synagogue, which, listen, this is like so important, this verse, and I'm gonna explain it in a second. Then a man named Jairus, leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, where are my 12-year-olds at? 12-year-olds, raise your hand, all right, 12 years old. My only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. Now here's the thing, parents are super protective of their kids, I'm very protective of my kid. Here's a picture of me as a young boy uh, and my mom who is super protective of me. Uh, You'll see it appear on the screen. Uh, This is a picture of me when I was a young boy. Uh, That was me wrapped in bubble wrap. I'm just kidding, that's not a picture, I found that online. But parents are this protective. I mean, this is like, some parents are crazy protective of their kids. I remember one time uh, I was wrestling I was wrestling, I was on the wrestling team. I was getting whooped. Where's Jordan? Jordan, you can relate to this. I was getting whooped. I was getting whooped. Now that's not the part you can relate to even though I'm sure you get whooped a lot. I was getting whooped, okay? I was getting whooped. I was there 
I was there in the center of the mat. He beat me so bad, I could not even get up with my own strength. I was so worn out and tired, and he was, I was hurt. I could barely breathe. I was there in the middle of the mat. Later, my mom told me it took everything in her not to run out to the center of the mat and like make sure I was okay. If she would have done that, I literally would have climbed under my bed and died. I would have been, I'd still be living under my bed today. Like, it would have been the most embarrassing, like, insanely, like, I would have been, like, everyone would have made fun of me for the rest of my life because of it if my mom came out there to see if I was okay. Now, from a parent's perspective, like, that's the only thing you'd think about doing. Like, if, I'm a parent, so when my kid is crying, the only thing I want to do is go console him and make sure he's okay. From a kid's perspective, your perspective, that's the last thing you want. But parents are really protective. That's just who they are. Now, here's the thing. Uh, in this story that we just read, the couple of verses we just read, there was a guy named Jairus, and I want to explain this. Now, Jesus, not everyone knew who Jesus was like face to face. They heard stories about Jesus healing and the things that Jesus did. Jairus was a leader in the local synagogue. So there's a synagogue of Jews, people who were Jewish who were still waiting for the Messiah. And then there were people who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And these two point of, points of view like, could not be more different. It's like UCLA and USC. It's the Dodgers and the Angels. I mean, it's the Ducks and the Kings. Like These are two completely, it's the Clippers and the Lakers. I mean, these are two completely opposite points of view, okay? It's the girls and the boys. I mean, this is like totally different. The people who were waiting for the Messiah, the people that believed Jesus was the Messiah. Jairus was a leader in the temple that were, that were still waiting for the Messiah. They're all there. They're waiting. They're like, man, when are these going to show up? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I hope he's coming soon. That'd be so great. Like, oh, what about that guy, Jesus? Everyone says he's the Messiah. No, 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 he's not the Messiah. We're still waiting for the Messiah. And they were all like about that. Jesus is the Messiah. He, he came to fulfill everything that they were waiting for. They just, they just were too pig-headed to notice it. And that's, that's, that's layman's terms for all the stuff I'm not going to get into. They were pig-headed, they were oblivious, they did not pay attention to who Jesus was. Now, Jairus, his daughter, was dying. Like, that's serious. His daughter was dying. And you have to imagine, okay, you have to imagine, this, this is like a story that we read in a couple verses, but there's a lot more history and depth to the story. You know, this kid was dying. You have to imagine that this family probably did everything that they could do to help save this girl. Like, you have to imagine this father is at his wit's end. Like, he tried everything. They probably spent a ton of money. They've consulted with so many different people to give advice on how to heal this kid, and nothing has worked. And so what does he do? Well, he does the only, like, it's the last-ditch effort he can do, and he probably got together with the synagogue people and was like, hey, listen, I know none of us believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but I hear he's coming to town. I think I'm going to go talk to him. And they're all looking at him like, what are you, crazy? Are you out of your mind? Like, you can't talk to Jesus. Like, we don't like Jesus. We're not a fan of Jesus. We're still waiting for the Messiah. We don't talk to Jesus. And he's sitting there like, well, you know what? Like, I love my kid more than I love, like, these rules we've created. You know, here's what I want you to write down. When it comes to parents, parents will be unpredictable in what they think is best when it comes to their kids. Parents will be unpredictable. Maybe your parent has done something unpredictable. Maybe they've been the one to run out there in the middle of your event, your sporting thing, because you're hurt, and they want to make sure you're okay, and it's embarrassing. And maybe it is embarrassing. But parents will do unexpected things. Maybe your parent is the parent that is the overprotective parent, and you think, oh my gosh, like they're just cramping my style, they're ruining everything. This girl, I'm trying to get her to talk to me, but she ain't talking to a guy driving a minivan. 
She ain't talking to a guy driving a minivan. I gotta be driving like something nice than that. And mom's driving a minivan. I can't be showing up in front of school in a minivan. Girls not gonna talk to me. Why are they embarrassing me? That's what we think. Like that's what we kind of boil our parents down to. You know, the reality is that parents will be unpredictable in what they think is best. You know, this dad, knowing that his daughter was dying, this is what he said, really. He said, forget about where I work. I'm not concerned with my job. I'm concerned with my kid. I'm not concerned with those rules. I'm concerned with what's best for my kid. Like, he's essentially, like, quitting his job to go get help from Jesus. And not just quitting his job. Like, this is a big deal. The synagogue, like, every town, it isn't like it is now where there's churches, like, everywhere. Like, if you're in a town back then, like, there's typically one synagogue. There's not many synagogues, there's one. And if he's the leader of one of those synagogues, chances are he's very well known in the community. So what he's really saying is, I don't, not only do I not care about my job, I don't care about what people in the community think about me. Because my kid is more important than that. Parents are willing to do unpredictable things if if that is what they think is best for their kid. Now, here is what it says, uh, and here's what I want you to hear, okay? We need to be people, this is just a side note, because, okay, let me back up just a second. Jairus, while great, he waited until like the last moment to reach out to Jesus. Like he, like it, it, for him, it wasn't the first thing he thought about. It was the last thing he thought about. Like he tried everything else before he went to Jesus. Here's what I want you to write down. If you're taking notes, it's going to be up on their screen. Be people who go to Jesus all the time, not just when things are at their worst. This is what we think. We think, well, well, let's try everything that we have control over. That's what we think. Let's try everything that we have control over. Let's try and do everything that we can do. Let's, tr- let's try and figure it out ourselves. And then when we figure it out ourselves, we can be the people who are like, look at we did it. You know what that does? That robs Jesus of the glory of who he is. You know, Jesus is not there as an ornament that you put on your dashboard. He's not there as a security blanket when things are difficult. He's not there as an emergency case you open up only when things are like going, you know, haywire. We need to be people that go to Jesus first, not last. Now, I know it's a change of thinking for a lot of us because we think, well, no, no, we need to figure it out ourselves. No, you don't need to figure it out yourself. Jesus has figured it out for us. We got to include him at the beginning, not the end. Now, that's not in the story. That, you know, the story goes a different direction, so that's just a little kind of wisdom and advice for you guys. This is what it says uh, in the next verse, this next chunk of verses. Uh, I want you to see this because we're not going to go into it. Um, it's going to be on the next slide. We're not going to go into it, but this is what it's about. In verses 43 through 48, uh, in the middle of this story about Jesus healing this young girl, As he's going with this father, there's a woman that reaches out, touches him, you know, she is healed. It's this big ordeal story. It's an incredible story. I encourage you to read it, take notes on it. Uh, We're not going to go into that story right now, but the story happens in the middle of the story that we're talking about. And this is the main point of that story. So when you go home later, you kind of have an idea. Uh, It's going to be up here on the next slide. Here's the main point of that story. Her faith healed her, and I want you to remember that idea. Because this, this story is not in this by accident. Jesus like, has like a pattern of healing people because of their faith. So her faith healed her, and I want you to remember that. But this is what it says in verse 49. This is what we're going to look at. Verse 49. While he was still speaking to her, that was Jesus speaking to the woman he just healed, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. 
He told him, now I want you to like brace yourself because this is that moment where you get really bad news and it's done in a really bad way, okay? Bad news in a bad way. This is what it says. He told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. Now, just, just take a second and just breathe that in for a second, okay? Because here's what's happening. This dad who's frantic, okay, his dad's frantic, super stressed out, his daughter is sick, you know, she's dying, they don't have a solution for it, what are they going to do, and, and then Jesus, you know, Jesus is there, and then he's talking to this other woman, and, you know, he's probably freaking out, you know, he's probably really stressed out and nervous, and like, you know, why is this taking so long, and then they finally get on the road again, and they start walking, and, you know, and he gets this messenger that comes with this shocking news. Listen, shocking news happens. You know, let me tell you a quick story about shocking news. So we all know Josh Wong, student in our ministry we've been praying for, and, and we, there's t-shirts for him, we, we, videos, the chosen Wong. We love this guy, okay? Let me tell you the story of how kind of some of this came down. So he conked his head at life groups, okay? Conked his head at life groups, my life group. This kid's in my life group, okay? This isn't some, some kid. This is my kid in my life group. This guy, this guy, all right. Conks his head at life groups on the monkey bars, goes to the hospital a couple days later, thinking he has a concussion. They do the scan on him, like the brain scan. The doctor comes back in, and everyone, you know, the dad's sitting there, Josh's sitting there thinking, oh, this is just, this is gonna be about the concussion, whatever. Doctor comes in, says, you know, hey, you know, sit down. I gotta tell you something, something shocking, something you're probably not prepared for. Now, I'm, Josh's dad was not prepared for this. Josh was not prepared for this. They sit down, they say, you know, we, we found like this tumor, like it's in your brain. That was not expected, that was not part of the plan. That was out of nowhere. You know, Jesus says, you know, he heard what had happened. Jesus says to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith and she will be healed. Now remember in this story, you know, we didn't really talk about it, but Jesus heals people because of their faith. It's a big deal. But I want you to think about this when it comes to parents, okay? Now, you, if you were in Josh's shoes, you'd be freaking out. If you were in this 12-year-old girl's shoes, you'd be freaking out. But I want you to think of it from the parent side, because this is about parents, okay? Parents are a lot like us. Here's a couple ways that parents are like us. It's going to be up here on the screen. Parents are like us. Things break their heart. When you think of a parent, things break parents' heart the same way things break your heart. Now, usually things that break parents' hearts are related to you, their kids, but there are things that break parents' hearts. There are things that break your heart. People break your heart. Maybe sometimes the people break your, who break your heart are your parents. That's tough. But your heart's broken and gets broken. Parents' hearts get broken. Parents hope. You know, you think of this dad. This dad's at his wit's end, doesn't know what to do for his kid. Like, there's the little sliver of hope that Jesus can do something, and he goes and gets Jesus. Parents hope the way you guys hope. You know, what do you guys hope for? You guys hope for different things. Parents hope, too. You know, if you were to think of a list of things you hope for and maybe jot it down on your note paper and talk to your parents later and ask them, hey, what are some things, Mom, Dad, what are some things you guys hope for? They'll tell you things that they hope for. You know, they probably hope that you, you know, take school seriously so you can get to a good college, not because they are just these huge academics, because they want what's best for you. You know, they probably hope that you stay safe and healthy and, you know, you know get injured, nothing catastrophic happens to you. They probably hope for that. They probably hope you know Jesus. You know, if you have parents that know Jesus, chances are they hope you know Jesus. 
If you have parents that don't know Jesus, they, maybe they hope for you in different things. But everybody hopes something for someone. You have hope for yourself. Parents are like us. They have hope for things. And lastly, parents can't do it alone. Really good parents know that. We have a lot of really good parents in junior high. I know a lot of your parents. They're all awesome. And parents can't do it alone. You guys can't do it alone. We think we can do it alone, and we try and do it alone, and we end up failing. And Jesus is still there because that's who Jesus is. He's there in our failures. Parents can't do it alone either. If this dad could do it by himself and figure out things for his daughter, he would, but he can't. Parents can't do it alone. You know, this is what it says further in the next verse. I want you guys to read this, uh, verse 51. This is so good. The story kind of starts to, you know, wrap up. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing. He said, stop weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. There wasn't Instagram and Facebook and all this stuff back then. There weren't print pieces and websites. A lot of people probably didn't know what Jesus looked like, and we forget about that in the Bible. Like, a lot of people probably had no idea what Jesus looked like. For a lot of these people in the house, and this is a big deal, the house is full because, you know, she's like near death. You know, family's there, friends are there, they're all crowded around the bed in the house. You know, back then, like, they really did things in community differently. So if a family was struggling, like, everyone else in the neighborhood would come help. And don't forget, Jairus was a leader of their synagogue. Like, imagine if, like, me, like, one of the pastors of the church, like, had a, something like this happen. You know, people from the community, people that I know, families I know, students I know, they'd be there for me, they'd be there for my family. Because that's what they do. They kind of, you know, surround people and care for people. But a lot of people didn't know who Jesus was. They didn't know what he looked like. So when Jesus speaks up and like, you know, the woman, the girl, she's dead and everyone's freaking out, everyone's crying and wailing, and this guy just speaks up and says, no, 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 stop wailing, stop weeping. She isn't dead. She's just asleep. A lot of people not knowing who Jesus was probably looked at him, this guy, and it's like, who are you, weird looking carpenter guy? Like, who do you think you are? Are you a doctor? Are you like, you know, a family? Are you a religious leader in the synagogue with Jairus? Like, who are you, carpenter guy, that you have the right to speak about this? A lot of people didn't know who he was. You know, here's the thing. This is what I want you to write down. Jesus is a teacher and a healer. That's who he is. So when you, and I want you to learn this, because there are characteristics about Jesus that I want you to learn. This is one of those, so if you were to write this down in your notes, I want you to write right by it, Jesus characteristics. Like these are the things that explain or define who Jesus is. So if we want to get to know people, like for instance, let's take uh, our leader here, okay? I want to get to know you, some of the things I know about you. You're great with students, students like you. You're a wrestler. Um, you're funny. Uh, you're a great basketball player. Like these are some of your characteristics, okay? Characteristics. Everybody has characteristics, things that make them them. These are some of Jesus' characteristics. He's a teacher, he teaches people, and he's a healer, he heals people. Here is what happens when it comes to families. Sometimes in families, we feel like we can do it ourselves, we think we can do it ourselves, the reality is we can't. Jesus being the healer steps in to fix things that are broken. You know, I want you to write this down, because this pertains to parents. Sometimes parents need help. Jesus helps heal. You know, here's the thing that I want you to remember. Parents need help. 
families, sometimes families are the ones that need help. You know, Jesus wasn't there just to heal this girl. He was there to heal the family. He was there to heal relationships, doubts, stress, worry. I mean, you have to think of this husband and wife, and they're just at their wit's end hoping for their daughter. He's there to heal stuff. Hey, Jesus heals. That's part of who he is. And, you know, and this girl, like everyone thought she was dead. She wasn't dead. Jesus had something to do, like he wasn't done yet. You know, this is what it says in the next verse. This is so good, verse 53. But the crowd laughed at him, so they all laughed at Jesus. They all knew that she had died. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned, and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat, which, a side note, Jesus loves to eat. Like, if you read the Bible, you guys could read the Bible more. Jesus is eating, like, every chance he gets. Whenever he heals someone, he's like, bring him some food. Like, whenever he's doing a big miracle, like, there's food involved. Like, Jesus loves to eat. A lot of people don't know that, but it's true. He loves eating. He loves people eating. Like, he thinks you should leave on a full stomach. That's why we always have snacks at Life Groups. If you ever wonder why we do snacks at Life Groups, it's not because we think snacks are great. It's actually because Jesus likes to eat and have snacks, and, and he eats with people. He thinks relationship is made around a table eating food. A lot of people don't know that, but there's a little tip on why we do snacks at Life Groups. Uh, and Jesus loves to eat. Verse 56, her parents were overwhelmed. You can relate to that. Imagine how overwhelming that would be. Your daughter, who you think is dead, everyone else thinks is dead, has been lying there. She's now healed. She's up. She's eating food. She's starving. Overwhelmed. But Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. See, here's the thing. I want you to write this down. Jesus keeps his promises. Jesus keeps his promises. He didn't go with the dad to let this girl stay dead. He went with the dad because he knew he could heal. Jesus keeps his promises. You know, we're not great at that sometimes. See, we're not perfect at, at stuff like this. Here's the thing. Parents aren't perfect at this either. They're not perfect. You're not perfect. You know, Jesus doesn't come to heal because everything's fixed. He comes to heal because things are not fixed, because things are messed up. You know, I remember when my parents got divorced, that was a really tough time for me. You know, my parents got divorced. I remember the day that, you know, my, you know, the, the lawyer knocked on the door and my mom opened the door and he handed her divorce papers. I remember that day. I remember her turning around, tears in her eyes. I remember her, her telling me to go upstairs, uh, you know, because, you know, they were going to talk and like every one of you, whenever your parents tell you to go upstairs, it's really them telling you, hey, go upstairs and, and be creative in how you eavesdrop on the conversation because we all do it. So I went upstairs and I started eavesdropping on the conversation, listening to the argument. And I was thinking to myself, like, is this my fault they're getting divorced? Like, did I cause this? You know, what's going to happen to me now? You know, what's going to happen? Is my dad leaving? Is he staying? Is my mom leaving? You know, can I fix this? What do I do? H how can I help? Like, what's the future going to look like? Here's the thing I love about Jesus. Jesus comes in and heals. And you might think, well, what did he heal in that? Well, here's what he healed. He healed the relationship between me and my mom in a different way. He healed, like, our future. Like, I thought our future was broken because my dad was leaving, and it wasn't broken. Jesus came and he healed that. He healed me, like, as a kid, so that when I became a parent, I didn't bring a lot of that pain and a lot of that struggle and a lot of that hurt into my marriage because I'm married now. You know, Jesus heals things in our lives 
so that when it comes time that we're in an older and a different and a wiser place, that the things that hurt us when we were younger, that Jesus heals those things so we don't bring them with us. Now, here's the thing. Jesus keeps his promises. He will heal things that you invite him into. But if you don't include Jesus, then he's not going to be able to do the things that only Jesus can do. And very rarely do we include Jesus like at the beginning of a struggle. We always tend to include him at the end of the struggle. Do you know that the Bible is the most read book in prisons? In prisons, this is true, in prisons, the Bible is the most requested book. Now, I wonder what would happen if all those people sitting in prison for whatever crime it was, doesn't really matter. I wonder if they would have committed themselves to reading the Bible before prison if things would have gone differently in their lives. You know, we always turn to Jesus when things get bad, but we always forget to turn to Jesus when things are good. Here's the thing, I want you to write this down. This is like the big last point of today, and then we're going to get into breakout groups. This is what it says. Jesus can do what no one else can do. You just have to include him. You know, when it comes to your parents, he can do what no one else can do with your parents. When it comes to your relationships with your parents, when it comes to hurts with your parents, maybe your parents have hurt you in some way, maybe emotionally. Maybe they say things that they don't really mean, but they say them and it really hurts. Like, you know, parents try and do the best they can, but not everyone gets it right all the time. We know that. We probably try and do the best we can. We don't get it right all the time. But here's the thing I know for sure, that when we include Jesus, he can do what no one else can do. You just have to include him. So here's my hope for us. I hope for us that we include him in the beginning, not in the end. I hope we include him when things are good, not just when things are going bad. And this is what I also hope. I hope that when you go into discussion with your parents, you look at it differently because they're trying their best and they won't always get it right. And Jesus knows that. That's why he's here to heal things that are broken, to fix things that are ruined. And if we include him at the beginning, well, Jesus can do what no one else can do. You just have to include him. You know, I want to have a little more discussion on this, and I think breakout groups is the best place to do it. We don't have a ton of time. We don't need a lot of time. Let's grab a couple minutes together. I'm going to pray. The boys are going to go outside. The girls are staying inside, uh, and let's have a little discussion about this. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for time together. Thank you for all the students in the room. God, you are so good. You care about us. We matter to you, uh, and God, I'm so excited for what is next. Um, we thank you. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Men. All right, boys, head out outside. Girls, stay inside. Here's a couple of your breakout questions. Your leaders know them, but they're on the screen. I love you guys. I'll talk to you later. See you next week. Next week, we're teaching about sex, by the way, so make sure you invite a friend. It's going to be awesome.